It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Five, four, three, two, one. Oh, sorry. No. No? No. That's not it. <laughs> Wrong. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, Allison. This charger here that's blinking. You see this? Yes. Why is it blinking? That means it's not charging. Well, it was charging. It was just solid green, and now it's blinking. I don't know. Sometimes things blink. What do you want me to tell you? I don't know. Try moving the phone around on the charger it doesn't a little bit. Ever, it gets impatient. It goes nuts if you try to do that. It's one of these tabletop ones. Alice got me the cheap kind. Sorry. I didn't know. Okay. Now you're fine, right? Now it's not okay, blinking. Okay. It's not blinking. It's not blinking. It's not blinking. Okay. It looks like you're all set. See? Here we go. See? Was that so hard? Alice K. Shattuck, Esquire, <laughs> yeah. Social Security number 03468-1412 of 7 Tufts Road, Lexington, Mass. Uh, I, can I be honest with you about something? Yes. Aren't you always? Today's program. Mm-hmm. Your Connecticut program. My program on WTIC. Mm-hmm. W Travel Travelers Insurance Company. Yes, went exactly as planned. That rarely happens. Rarely happens. The the, the topics were rolled out, responded to, good callers, expanded the topic. Second hour, third hour, expanded the topic even more. And it was stuff. It was it was all about college jet debt. Is college worth it? Should you follow your passions? Those were the three tiers of the same topic. For four hours. Mm-hmm. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I was thrilled because I wasn't... I, first of all, I, I, we've both been waking up early, so I, it was kind of didn't feel great this morning. Why? I don't know why I'm waking up early. But anyway, so... so um, And so I was just worried. That, you know, it, the only thing with being tired is, is that sometimes I can't think on the fly too well. Some days are better than others. And that's even when not tired. 
And so sometimes I'm my my the realm of where I can go with my thoughts is very limited. And that sucks because that means that I'm watching the clock and saying, crap, I can't I can't seem to make complete thoughts that I want to. But today I completed thoughts. Today I, I super studied uh, and looked into I was ready to go and I massaged the topics and 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 I hunted and found exclusive audio and, uh, you know, very deep cut audio. What exactly what I was looking for. And it was, a, it was just a perfectly successful campaign. Now, there are days when I could do everything exactly like I did today and roll it out and it just goes haywire sideways or unexpected, whatever. But And I also enjoyed it because these topics are are not COVID or Ukraine or testimony by blowhards in Washington. If I never had to talk about politics again, I'd be happy not to. I mean, just the, the realm of... College is it worth it? Is it not worth it? To me, it it brings in so much. There's so much. It's a class mm-hmm. thing. It's a culture thing. Um, in a lot of ways, it does <clears throat> tend to divide on political lines, though, for various reasons. In a lot of ways, but but not necessarily. I mean, up here, the Republicans and the Democrats are going to college, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, and. Although I would say that it's be- especially that issue has become more political, especially as and it, there have been a bajillion pollsters and, uh, you know, political political numbers geeks who have like mentioned this. But the college non college divide has become much more of the political divide in America than ever over the last. Mm. I mean, like definitely with Trump, but even even prior to that, it was starting to shift. It's not about income. It you know, that's a somewhat okay measure in some ways, but it's very much about like college non college because there are people who didn't go to college who make quite good incomes mm-hmm. like plumbers and mm-hmm. you know but and they tend to vote more republican mm-hmm. nowadays more so than in the past when that wasn't necessarily the case right um right and i also think that people tend to think that we're in a blue area we're in a higher much more educated area i think many people on the left assume that means we're in a smarter area in a smarter area and it doesn't it does mm-hmm. not mean that. It means that there are more credentials and degrees flying around. That does not mean that we're not full of fools here, because we are. There's no doubt oh, about that. Oh, right. I mean, and that's what's interesting about sort of the college, non-college thing, is because it doesn't necessarily track with intelligence in and of itself. Right. Right. And, um, you know, especially as people on the left push explicitly for you know, removing baseline intelligence from the set of qualifiers to go to college at all, then you end up with a much more fuzzy kind of proposition of what Mm. college means and what going to college means. You know, it used to be a signal, at least to like potential employers that you could do hard work and learn hard things. Right. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't necessarily mean that anymore at all. No, no. And also... There are so many other avenues to gain knowledge now. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just all over the place, and uh, so you know, they're, they're, the push is on to to remove college debt. There was a write up in CS, CNBC, which I wrote up on my Substack as well, talking about how to do that. And essentially, you could. There's a loophole that the executive could do it using really this bank shot 
and that's what they want Biden to do now. They want him to use. Um, they want him to use the executive branch to do it because if not, if you do it, you're going to need two thirds in the House if you make it a bill, and they're not right. going to get that um, at the moment anyway. So, um, so here's a little bit. This guy, John King, he was Obama's college debt guy. CBS asked him why and how. Why are you breaking away from your peers to call on President Biden to use his executive authority to unilaterally cancel student debt payments? Well, I think we're at an important moment as a country as we emerge from the COVID crisis and the COVID economic crisis. We have an opportunity to tackle deeper systemic challenges. And the reality is that over the last 40 years, the federal government and state governments have not invested enough in higher education. Back in 1980, the federal program, the Pell Grant program, covered about 80% of the cost of college. Today, it's less than a third. And so we've got to make up for that policy mistake of the last 40 years by addressing the crushing burden of student debt that so many young people feel today and fixing the problem going forward by committing to debt-free college in the United States. Point of order. Uh, This is something that liberals love to do, and they do it everywhere from national policy to your local school board meeting. And they budget on the basis of what they want to spend, right? And if what their money buys them when they want to spend it becomes less, they tell you that there's been a cut, Mm-hmm. even if the spending is going up, right? So the reason why Pell Grants no longer cover 80% of the cost of college is not because we've cut the size of Pell Grants. It's because college costs, in large part because of the incredibly wide availability of student loans, have exploded in a way that dwarfs any growth in Pell Grants that you could ask for. You know, and if you increase the Pell Grants, the cost of college will balloon more to keep up. You cannot, you cannot by spending more money. Oh, the problem is we're not spending enough money on college. That's what he just said to us. Like we're not covering as much of the cost. Yeah, you're not covering as much of the cost because the costs have gotten absurd. When And what happens in a normal market where the government isn't involved is when costs get absurd, people don't buy something. Mm-hmm. But because we've creative, created this captive market where we tell a bunch of kids, no matter what it costs, we're going to help you pay for college and you need to go to college no matter what it costs, the colleges can charge literally whatever they want to. And people come up with the money to pay them, whether it's from the taxpayer or from wealthy parents. So, you know, but when I say like this is a a logical fallacy that that liberals have and they do it on the school committee, too. They'll say it's a level service budget. Our level service budget is underfunded by 20 percent this year, as though that means there was like some cut in money. So even though the costs go up, they have all these contracted raises and stuff for teachers in the union contracts. They have, you know, the costs of their curriculum goes up, that they have to pay for the cost of all their technology licenses. That was always a big one when I was following school committee meetings. You know, they have to pay for all these technology licenses for computer labs and whatever, for all the Photoshop licenses and the 
the Microsoft Word licenses and all that stuff. And that stuff, the companies just charge them whatever they feel like because they're a school district and they know they'll come up with it. So then the school district comes back to the taxpayers and says, oh, well, to fund the same services we did last year, the level service budget, you know, we can't fund that without raising your taxes a whole bunch more. And you're like, why? Did you collect less taxes this year? And they go, no, we're actually collecting way more in taxes. Your taxes went up anyway, but they have to go up even more to fund the exact same Mm -hmm. thing that we funded last year. That's what we're getting here from him when he says like, oh, well, you know what? We haven't, the state and local governments, we just haven't kept up with funding college. We've we've stopped funding so much college. We used to fund 80% of the college and now we only fund a third. Like so any person just hearing him say that would think there had been some cut in college funding, which there hasn't been. There's been no cut. College funding has gone up by everybody at every level of government, just like public school spending goes up at every level of government by everyone, taxpayers and the state and everybody on up. Every single year, all that stuff goes up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there has to be another answer besides oh, the cost went up. So, and <clears throat> I mean, the whole thing in one of the reasons I love talking about it is because the whole thing is a a can't a, a grift campaign where schools, public schools are feeding students into college. The whole thing is sculpted around getting schools aren't elementary schools. Uh, in, I'm sorry, secondary high school uh, is not to prepare you for life. High schools prepare you for college in the right. United States now. Culturally, everything points to college. I have to go to college. I have to go to college. I have to go to college. It is considered um, de class A mm-hmm. to not go to college, depending right. on where, where we are. Certainly, population centers, etc. In in blue states, and and. For some reason, parents are right there as the kids are taking out loans for hundreds of thousands of dollars and letting this stuff happen and allowing their kids for some reason to go F around for four years. And then on the other side of it, they've got debt and something, a, a, um, a degree that's absolutely useless. And so... And so that's what's going on here. And, you know, it's funny. I had a great canny caller said that her daughter had said that since she, her daughter paid for her own college. Mm-hmm. And was still in college. Yeah. And she, her daughter said to her, you know, I'm getting my degree in three years, but uh, mom, because I'm paying for it myself, had you been paying for it, mom, I would have done it in four years. Which shows you, very honest daughter to say that. Mm-hmm. She also, just recently the daughter said, I kind of wonder if I should be making any more payments now because Biden might be canceling debt. So she doesn't want to feel like a chump and start making payments now. If eight months from now, everybody's debt is paid for. But I mean, I, I don't think that there could be anything more disruptive and divisive for our society than to have less privileged Americans taxed to pay and bail out more privileged Americans to become even more privileged. Right. And I saw that bill that you were sending. Was it Maine? 
that was saying they were right. going to forgive college debt, but just for homeowners. And it's like, oh, wow, yeah. how could you make forgiving college debt more divisive and crazy, right? Like homeowners are probably the people most able to pay back right. college debt. Like, that's, what, that's craziness. It's just like, it, it reminds me of like what um, Newsom is doing, giving out the $400 gas cards. Yeah, to everybody with cars. Incredible. Can you imagine that? Right. Meanwhile, we all pay for higher gas prices, like in every item that we buy at the grocery store that was driven here on a truck from somewhere else in the country and so reflects the the rise in fuel prices. Like we all pay for that and um and and to put it just on um on the 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 people who own cars, uh you know, it totally unbalances the whole equation of the whole thing. Yeah, and my feeling once again is that you can't. How do you justify telling one group of Americans that they're going to get something more? That they're going to get something more. So, in other words, I didn't go to college, uh, it, but I get to pay for your trip around the world that you took when you were twenty-two. I didn't get to take that trip. You got to take that trip, and now I have to pay for the trip I didn't take. So I'm now paying for the college experience that I never had. Um, it's it, it, it's that would be to me if you want anarchy in the streets, that is the way to do it. To forgive college debt for a bunch of rich kids who, who are sick of paying it, sick of paying it. Oh, you know, I hate it. I hate paying for it. You hate paying for it. Meanwhile, when had things go, and that's because a lot of people have regret because they screwed around, they took stupid majors because they were following passionate things. I want to change the world instead of gaming it out and realizing that what you should be doing is making sure that you're uh, that you're somebody who can monetize their degree instead of learning something interesting and progressive and romantic. You know, the idea should be, the, the degree should be for something pragmatic. Unless you're a kept person and you don't care. But, I mean, certainly if you're going to pay college debt. But, I mean, if if, if if I'm paying for your college debt, why shouldn't you have to pay for some of my house or my credit card debt? I think it's the same exact thing. It's the same exact thing. Here's that guy, John King, again, answering a, another question. In the end, we know folks are making the choice to delay buying a house, having a child, starting a business because of the weight of student debt. Uh, the president has the executive authority to cancel debt for all borrowers. Uh, he talked about $10,000 during the campaign. Senator Schumer and Senator Warren have talked about $50,000 per borrower. That certainly would be a good start. That would get us to 36 million Americans. Totally disagree. Totally disagree. Buy a house or don't buy a house or it's not my problem. It's not my problem. You don't you don't shore up the bad decisions of generations of people who are doing fairly well um, so that they can take out another loan and buy a house. I mean, it's craziness. Imagine that. So I'm paying... I'm going to bail out somebody so their college loan money so that they then can get another loan and buy a bigger house than they would have been able to previously because now they're debt free, college debt free. So not only now have I paid for their college that I don't get to enjoy, I've now paid for their house that I don't get to enjoy. 
Yeah, there's no there's no better way, no better way to get people in the streets than do this. And that and it, this he says one other thing here that, that just this this term makes me homicidal. Look, you know, in the Obama administration, we put in place a process for canceling student debt, and we started with. Uh, those students who were taken advantage of by predatory for-profit colleges. Predatory for-profit colleges. Nothing's predatory if you know about it. And if you don't know about it, but you're signing away and getting your 50 grand or 100 grand or 200 grand, whatever. Anyway, well, then that's that's on you. Why is that everybody else's fault? Extreme... Middle, upper class, um, white, uh, foolhardy behavior must now be addressed as a as predatory uh, lending. No, it's not predatory anything. Just stop doing the thing. Stop making this, making these mistakes. Spoiled kid mistake. And I love it. You know, you still you got the college. So you still get to feel in, uh, superior to the uncolleged people, but you're making them bail you out. You still got the college, and if things had gone right for you with your degree, you would have shot into the stratosphere um, uh, in income levels and said, uh, sucks to be you, Tom. See ya. I am now enjoying the high life with my new college, but it didn't work out for you, so now you're coming to me to bail you out. Doesn't seem uh, right to me, whatsoever. What did he? Ha- what happened? Was he naked? Yeah, I might have to cut part of the video. Really? Yeah. Oh, he's naked in the video. Yes. Oh God. It's our three-year-old. Is he three or four? What is he? He's still three until next week. Oh. So just saying, I was just saying that that like one of the things that makes me. I'm personally angry about this is that all these people who want all these 25 year olds who want their college debt forgiven all of them want me to pay for it all of them alice had things worked out with her degree would now be making hundreds of thousands of dollars and would have kissed me goodbye a long time ago oh of course living a good life but no now since they effed up and they got the four-year degree and it didn't turn out right now they need me i have to be involved in their lives so now, right. like I was saying... Now we're all in this together. And this guy was saying, listen to this. In the end, we know folks are making the choice to delay buying a house, having a child. So so now I am... And you guys are hearing this again. So now I am paying for somebody else's college for their experience, uh, of which I got no college experience, but I'm right. paying now for college, now even though I, for their college. So that the person who got the bad college loan foolishly can now take out a foolish home loan. <laughs> I know. So, and I'm in a sense now paying for part of that house. They can get the bigger house now since I've taken care of the college. Right. So they've got the whole west wing of their new mansion is paid for by Tom Shattuck, who doesn't get to enjoy that either. 
Right. And ultimately, the problem is, too, is like we've already seen what dumping a bunch of money into the economy does for prices and inflation and everything. And the bottom line is like you're forgiving people's student debt because it's student debt. But at the end of the day, what it means is that more people will have more money in their pocket and they're going to spend it on stuff and which is going to cause more consumer demand that's not backed up by any additional production in the economy, which is going to cause more inflation. Like ultimately, you're really just putting more money in people's pockets, you know, more money than than what they would have had otherwise, especially because you're essentially saying, oh, that other thing that you spent your consumer demand on, I'm going to spend the money on that now. The government is going to say, like, we'll pick up that tab. So you're free to go spend your money on something else now. So it's really just dumping money into the economy is dumping money into the economy, whether you do it in a specific sector or not, you're going to have the same effect. And it was one thing. I mean, I think our listeners know we both advocated very strongly for giving people the checks back when the government was mandating that they weren't allowed to work at jobs because that was just like that was just a reality at the time in 2020 when the government said sorry you can't go to work and earn a paycheck like you have to have some kind of recourse to that if the Mm. government makes your job illegal then the government owes you money so that There's a really big difference between that and the college debt for Democrats now to use the pandemic as this excuse to continue on this absurd spending spree. And they're the first to complain that Trump blew up the debt in 2020, which is true. The deficit was bigger than it's ever been because we did all this covid spending. But that would have been true whether we had a Democrat or a Republican Mm -hmm. in the White House, because that, in fact, probably worse if there had been a Democrat in the White House. And that was just like the nature of the COVID shutdown beast. If you shut down the the society like that, then you have to spend that money. But we are seeing the fiscal impact of that on our society right now. And we're seeing the financial impact and the inflation and the jobs shortages and everything else. I mean, not jobs shortages, labor shortage, to be precise. But can I just tell you something? Mm-hmm. As far as labor shortages go? Yeah. I went to the hairdressers today, the the beauty salon. Yes. You finally noticed. You have a lovely haircut. It looks great, sweetie. They've got eight stations at the beauty salon. Mm -hmm. And it's right down the street. And they're down to two full-time employees. So when I went, when I got there, there was one woman inside. She was heading outside for a cigarette break. And when I walked in, of course, I let her take her cigarette break. Um, And there's only one other one. And that's to cover all week. That's it. No freelancers, no, no, no nothing. They can't find anybody hmm. anymore. Right. It's remarkable. The place is empty. There's not even the the like um, express cutters or whatever it was. Um, like uh, radio station wasn't even on. Yeah. It's like they're not making enough or whatever. But she said they're slammed because there's only two of them, of course. Right. It's like, oh, my God. But they can't find anybody to do it. Right. Right. I mean, it's wild. And it's like that everywhere. The everywhere you go, like we were at that ski lodge in Vermont, right? And like half mm. the place was shut down. And you and I were sitting there wondering, is this like a COVID restriction? Like they think this part's dangerous. And then we overheard one of the employees say, telling somebody that it's all because they can't staff it. They just can't do it. It's like everywhere you go, there's another story of a staffing shortage. You yeah. know, and And I don't know what if... The economy, like, I don't know how long the economy takes to adjust for that, 
right? Because so many people have left the workforce, perhaps never to come back. And I, I'd be... How could they never come back? Uh, various well, I reasons. Mean, I mean, like people. So, well, but it's unless little, you have a pension, you know. right? But it's a bunch of little stuff at the margins, right? So, like some people in during the pandemic decided just to retire early. Mm-hmm. Some people might have, you know, figured stuff out. So, you know, with childcare, they stayed home and worked, and decided to continue to stay at home from work, and decided to continue to do that. But I think a lot of people like adjusted their lives around the new reality of not going to work and and have you know like made that change now and aren't going to easily shift back there's also it's sort of like a weirdly snowballing problem because there are um there are a lot of labor shortages also in childcare which means that it's very difficult to find childcare and childcare is enormously more expensive um and you know it it makes the financial proposition of going to work difficult for that second parent. You know, it changes the math. And so, you know, that person that might have continued going to work, if they were netting like $40,000 a year, if they're only netting $20,000 a year, maybe is not interested in going to work anymore. Right. right? And, and so that's like, that's a real issue you know i see this stuff about like after school programs costing all this money the cost of these things going up and like you know it's it's extremely expensive you know so people have readjusted now their kids weren't in school last year and that's like a big factor but like i say too like some people just retired early some people Mm. made different choices like sold a house and moved somewhere you know moved to a lower cost living mm-hmm. situation. I mean, like people just made changes and, you know, it, it takes time to like recover from that. So the labor pool is now just smaller. Like there are fewer people looking to go back to work now at this point. Mm. Another thing that we, um, that, that t- t- part of the college season that I wanted to talk about was like whether or not it's just worth it. And, and in Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut, they, this, the RAs, this is, this is just, I look at the the totality of the experiences that I've been studying today for these college students, and the RAs there, the the little uh, dorm cops, um, mm-hmm. the RAs there have now unionized. They're very upset because, among other things, they had to work during the pandemic, which they consider very traumatic for them. In September, because of Tropical Storm Ida, or Ilda, Ida, whatever, um, mm-hmm. which I believe I've covered on the Kinetic Radio, and... Um, that caused a flooding in a dorm, Alice, <laughs> flooding in a dorm so that they had to move everybody out and everybody had to sleep into sleep in, uh, on cots in the gymnasium for, uh, a few days or whatever. And so they said that was very traumatic. This is, these are the RAs talking about that trauma. And now seems like an appropriate time to remind you and inform you. This was our first night on the job. We had never been RAs in action before. And this was being, this is us thrust into the action. And that, that was a lot. It was overwhelming. There were a group of us, I, I, I see as I'm looking around some other Butterfield's faces. And it is so good to see you guys. Thank you for coming. The rug in Butterfield Hall was wet because of the flooding, and so they were thrust into the situation. Um, but this was a really hard night. Like, we were doing things that we were not trained to do. Training did not cover any of these things. There were people having breakdowns. Which- 
people were having breakdowns. I'm sure they were because everybody is encouraged to be melodramatic mm -hmm. and over-emotional now. It's completely warranted because this was like a deeply traumatic night for a lot of people. This is your first night on this campus. The fire alarms go off and all of a sudden you're being told you're going to the gym to sleep. Hope, hope you can get some rest. <laughs> How is that deeply traumatic? It's deeply traumatic. He, in some of the other reporting, he, re he reports that he drank a Coca-Cola to keep caffeinated until so he stayed up. <laughs> That's right. And he also ate out of the vending machine that night. Wow. My God, how did they? How did they make it? How did they make it? So that's one of wait. The, training didn't cover that. What you're supposed have, to no, do? Wow. No, I'm sure some of the RAs just died. <laughs> so, so, so that's that's one of the reasons they wanted to unionize. So they're spending their time, their college time, spending in energy. This to get there. The starting cost for tuition is sixty one thousand dollars for this college, thirteenth mm -hmm. most expensive college in the country. So it's much more than that when you add all the other stuff, including mm -hmm. some freshman twenty grand fee. But why not? Um, but you know why not? Why not add the twenty grand free for the freshman? Because if they can get loans to cover it, then it's going to feel free to that person. <laughs> so then I, I was just listening to they, they had a rally on why they're why they're um, why on uh, about unionizing because you have to the Aries have to unionize. Here's what uh, one lady says. Um, why are we here? We are really here to talk about the inadequate working conditions and compensation of res life student staff at Wesleyan. And we have no say in our workplace, which is why we're unionizing, so that we can make our voices heard. No say in our workplace. It's a pretty boilerplate, dumb young person. What is her accent? I'm not sure. I mean, she may be Asian. I'm not sure. So anyway... Along the lines of like, what would I hate my kid to be doing most wasting my 61 grand a year? <laughs> she gets right to where we knew she had to go. All right. And we're going to begin with a land acknowledgement because this is a practice that we do not do enough at Wesleyan. We acknowledge this land as the ancestral home of the Wangunk, which holds historical, cultural and sacred significance to the community. We acknowledge the living history and the contributions of the indigenous communities that inhabited this land prior to the establishment of Wesleyan University, as well as the university's history of violence towards the Wangunk and other indigenous communities. When was Wesleyan violent toward the Wangunk? $61,000 a year to shout out the Wangunks <laughs> with everybody. But, you know, but it, you, they're absolved from murdering the Wangunks. Because they're you they're they're union they're creating a union for workers' rights, human rights, mm -hmm. right there, and also for this. We also would like to again express our solidarity with Ukraine in its war against Russia. It's terrible what's going on out there, and let's see a show of hands. Who was at the Ukraine rally? Oh, oh, very nice. So, so th that's a to me that would be a nightmare scenario to think my kid is doing that and my in my kid's gonna come home on Thanksgiving and talk to me about the Wangunks. The moment any child of mine says Wangunk, <laughs> the plug is pulled on any money going to anything. And here's another here's another thing. This is Sam and Ari. Okay. This is Sam and Ari at this thing. These are freshmen. These are what they're spending their time doing at this college. Sixty one thousand dollars a year. Okay, so uh, we're going to be marching and chanting. We're going to do a loop right around here and then back that way and back here. Um, and we're going to, if we do a chant that isn't one of the ones we teach you, just repeat what we say after we say it. 
Otherwise, here's the chance you need to know. One is we're gonna yell, one, two, three, four. And you're gonna yell, we won't take it anymore. So let's try that. One, two, three, four. We won't take it anymore. And then after that, we're gonna say five, six, seven, eight. Recognition would be great. Try that. Five, six, seven, eight. Recognition would be great. All right, also, if you don't have a chance, she like look on with a friend in a COVID safe way. In <laughs> a COVID safe way. Oh my goodness. <sighs> One, two, three, four, Alice. That's $61,000 right there. Mm -hmm. Worth of chant you're getting. And then there's this beauty. The guy who runs, the president of the college, the bad person in this scenario, mm -hmm. the Russians in this scenario, the people who were killing the Wang Gunks in this scenario, is named Michael Roth. So they've included him in their their new chant. This one we're gonna all do in unison, try and get it going for a while. It goes, Roth, Roth, Roth don't be a sloth, recognize us or f off. Roth, Roth, don't be a sloth, recognize us or f off. Roth, Roth, don't be a sloth, recognize us or f off. I have a couple of questions for you. Yes. How is Roth being a sloth? <laughs> He's not $61,000, <laughs> Alice. These are kids who probably got good grades in other places. The sloths also not recognize people who want to be in unions? Is that the thing? It's a known anti-union animal. Was it, were the Pinkertons sloths with their clubs going and beating the uh, striking workers? Was that what was happening? Yep. Roth, Roth, don't be a sloth. An animal not indigenous, <laughs> unlike the wangunks, not indigenous to the uh, North America. Hey, wangunks are people. An animal in South America. Okay. Roth, Roth, don't be a sloth. The world's one of the more world's most notably slow animals. Does Roth move slow? Maybe because he's slow to recognize the union. Yeah. <laughs> this one we're going to all do in unison, try and get it going for a while. It goes, Roth, Roth, don't be a sloth. Recognize us or f*** off. Roth, Roth. <laughs> <laughs> Roth, Roth, don't, don't be, be a, a sloth. sloth. <laughs> Recognize us or bleep off. <laughs> Does off rhyme with Roth? No, I might give it near that, rhyme. That's it? That, that's 62 <laughs> grand and I can't have my stupid, inane, dumb, doesn't concatenate uh, chant rhyme? That's it? We, got, we can't find anything that rhymes with Roth. You know what? We got to wedge F off in there, though. Close. Yeah. So I knew somebody in high school who went to, at that time, I'm sure it's way more now, the the 30 grand a year Concord Academy. Mm-hmm. And uh, this person that I knew was on the Ultimate Frisbee team, and they had to come up with a chant for their Ultimate Frisbee team. And in a highly ironical way, their chant was... My parents paid 30 grand for me to go here and I can't think of a stupid rhyme. <laughs> I am ready for this world to be nuked into oblivion. I am calling on Vladimir Putin. Please, please, discharge all nuclear weapons at the United States. And you know what? All of them in New England. Don't be a sloth, Vladimir. <laughs> Don't be a sloth. Um, so... In case you weren't feeling upset enough, um, great story on the internet this week has uh, gained some traction today. This is from HuffPost. 
And um, it's by somebody called Emily McCombs. And it's entitled, because this is really what you've been wondering this whole pandemic. This mm-hmm. is the piece you've needed to be written. It's called, I gained 70 pounds during COVID. Here's what happened on my first day back at the office. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Given all the things that have changed in the past two years of life under COVID, my body is almost certainly among the least important. But that it has changed is undeniable. When I started to hear people talking about the COVID-15, referring to the widespread phenomenon of quarantine weight gain, I thought it was cute because I had already gained more like 40 pounds. Now, two years into a pandemic that drastically changed everything about the way we live, I'm estimating that number is closer to 70. I haven't weighed myself to be sure, but my clothing is now four or five sizes larger than when we took our laptops home from the office in March of 2020. Um, Wow, Emily, don't be a sloth. I've got as much internalized fat phobia as the next gal, but I wasn't initially too alarmed. My weight has always fluctuated Oprah style. I was a fat kid who lost 100 pounds in college and then maintained it, not so much because I didn't like my body before, but because I didn't like the way I was treated in that body. Mm. See, you actually really liked it. It was just other people were mean. Right. And you didn't like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Moving through our society in a fat body means constantly being confronted with others' opinions of it when you're just trying to exist. One benefit of having a, quote, socially acceptable body is that sometimes you're allowed to forget about it. Nobody, not even Cardi B, gets to be fat in peace. Fat people face discrimination in every aspect of society. Mm -hmm. Weight discrimination plays a role in hiring, determining wages, and firing. Racism also intersects with fat phobia, with studies showing that black women are discriminated against most in the workplace. We are more likely to experience medical bias and misdiagnosis, which can be deadly. I don't like dating apps, but even if I did, I'm not sure I could stomach opening myself up to a volley of microaggressions, alternating with fetishizing messages that turn immediately sexual. Is that what happens to you, honey? That's precisely on my OnlyFans. Simply trying to get by as a fat person in a society that hates fat people can be disempowering, painful, and frankly, exhausting. All it took was one global crisis to remind me of how hard it can be. Given the extreme level of invasive fat phobia we are all being pummeled with, I don't doubt that weight gain was uncomfortable for people who were formerly slender, even painful, but they still retained their essential privilege as thin people. My weight gain changed the way I'm treated by the world. In my privacy of my apartment with no one to see me, it was easy to slip into a brain in a jar mode. But as restrictions began to ease, the world and its opinions about the way I look came flooding back in. This got real when my company announced our return to the office date. For the first time in years, I was going to sit under fluorescent lights and be perceived. I was going to walk further than from my bed to my couch in open terrain. I think I'm seeing how the 70 pounds happened, by the way. Open terrain. (laughs) Jesus. I was going to be confronted with a reflection that contrasted with my mental image of myself in the office's full-length bathroom mirror. Oh, no. Well, I'd noticed my weight gain. It used to be full width, too, for her, but (laughs) not after COVID. Not to mention, what was I going to wear? My closets were full of clothes that didn't fit me anymore. And my New York apartment was starting to reach capacity for how many differently sized wardrobes it could hold. When the day finally came, I did feel self-conscious. But I felt that way about everything associated with remembering how to be human again. 
talking to maskless co-workers was surreal. Ultimately, commuting in heels felt weirder than the fact that I've gained weight. By writing this, I know I'm opening myself up to be reminded of just how many people are still out there dying to share their criticism and hot takes on my body, which let me be very clear, I do not want. But I know I'm not the only one struggling with returning to the world in a very different body. And I want everyone else navigating this experience to know they are not alone and they are not any less valuable than before they gained weight. When we are finally able to climb out of survival mode after this traumatic globe-changing event, I'm hoping most people will be far more concerned about how to acclimate back into their long-abandoned routines. Uh, by learning, relearning little things we didn't know were what added up to make us human. I hope it's soul stuff we'll be focused on. Can I on, be honest with you? Not also? bodies. Can I be honest with you? Mm-hmm. Um, this is obviously disgraceful, terrible, awful. That person's a dumb person with a tiny brain and apparently a huge body uh, and a huge appetite. And uh, and and this this race, this, it's, it's wholly unoriginal race and haggard thing to. To run to whatever victimization you can find, to bask in it and preen for the world, to wait, await their plaudits, etc. It's it's ridiculous, disgusting, counterproductive, etc. That said, if somehow the fats have a <laughs> Me Too, George Floyd re-reckoning, mm-hmm. I am going all effing in. Uh, dude, I am, I am writing Fat Lives Matter in places, I am... Uh, Molotov cocktailing, uh, police cars, and uh, whatever. Whoever I'm supposed to, I'm not sure. It's probably big food. I'm all for that. I would love to just clean up, get a cut check to me because somewhere psychotics in suburbs have decided that they've been mean to the fats all these years. Well, people be- have been mean to fats. Right. Well, that's but, right. And I want my... But I- maybe drag yourself a little further than from your bed to your sofa. We I'm, get it. We I'm all were home, part too. of this, Alice. I want to make money from this. But the gyms have actually no, been they open haven't. for They're much not of open. this They're time. not open. We're judged when you go to the gyms. You I want to get paid. You can walk outside. I want to get paid. You understand me? She's had to drag herself further I'm now. I'm serious. I don't care about that thing. I'm talking about me. I want to get paid in this next one. I'm not going to always sit around and be a, a, a spectator on this parade of idiocy. I want to be on a float. And I want to have my moment in the sun. And if it's getting paid for being a fat, then damn right, I'm all for it. I'm, you're not done. You're not going to play that closing music for me because I have one more issue that I need to get to. Uh, oh, that's right. I didn't get to it either. Good. I don't know if this is what you were going to get to, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm finally going to have us weigh in here on this uh, multi-day-long controversy swirling around Nicole Hannah-Jones. And I like I hate talking about her because it's just like too exhausting, mm-hmm. all her stuff. But this started three days ago when she tweeted, uh, this is 1619 Project Lady Nicole Hannah-Jones tweeted, tipping is a legacy of slavery. And if it's not optional, then it shouldn't be a tip, but simply included in the bill. Have you ever stopped to think why we tip? Like why tipping is a practice in the U.S. and almost nowhere else? After slavery, forcing black people to work service job for tips was a way for white employers not to pay for black labor. Now, waiters remain the employees today who earn less than minimum wage. The shame for tipping is on the government and employers, but not the customer. And then apparently she was getting some blowback because she replied, I tip. And if I don't, I leave a note as to why. But telling black people that we should tip regardless of the quality of service when we know too often that we do why we do not get high quality service is asinine to me. Oh, I see. Who's telling black people to tip? Are people saying black people don't tip? Well, she's saying... 
tipping is a legacy of slavery and you should no, ask yourself that. why we have to tip. And I assume she was getting pushed legacy back and saying, lady, just tip. Okay. And I, she probably did get some people on Twitter saying black people don't tip because that is a thing that people, not me, say. Um, but uh, that wasn't the thing when I haven't been in a tipping position. That was not a thing. That was not a thing that was said. It was it was Canadians. And this is what was said about people who got tipped. It's not what Tom Shattuck said. Um, but people would say, uh, people in the service industry would say, uh, Canadians and um, Asian hotel guests didn't tip very well. And this may have changed, or these these, these canards may have changed, these dangerous tropes. Mm-hmm. It's not what I said. Um, but, uh, and, well, Canadians were the big one. Nobody wanted to take Canadians up to the up to their uh, rooms with luggage because they were terrible. And in Europeans, of course. Because mm-hmm. they don't have tipping there. They have VAT tax instead of tipping. Right. Um, but as far as black people, I, I, it wasn't a thing. Uh, the only thing was is that if you were a black person from New York, then you'd want to take him up. Because New Yorkers, of all colors, tipped. Hmm. And, and that was it. And loud Italians from New York definitely tipped. Yeah. And I did know a woman, when I was attending bar, a Jewish woman who would not work Jewish functions. Because she said, and she would always disclaim it and say i can say it because i'm jewish so it's all right she would say that that the the jewish people jewish functions didn't tip and i don't i didn't think the gratuities were maybe they were stiffing i don't know i don't know alice but tipping is has been a a multi-pronged battle royale of different (laughs) of races and ethnicities and and geographies that being said excusing your lack of tipping with it's a legacy of slavery is a new one but i guess with nicole hannah jones everything is a legacy of slavery the map was a legacy of slavery last month so i guess but also she's stupid and i'm sure she's been pampered her whole life and so she doesn't know this but you're not it's you're not tipping the bartender because you know that he makes um a small hourly wage or right. the waitress, because you're tipping the bartender to bribe the bartender. Right. To get service quicker in drinks, to ensure promptness. Tip, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it is. You're bribing people. You grease people. You bribe people. That's what it is. That's the beautiful free market. And it is. it has no race. There is no race. When you're in the getting tipped business, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't... All you see, and I was somebody who got tipped for a living. Have you ever been somebody who gets t- got tipped for a living? Mm, no. When you're in a tip business, uh, it, when I was a bellman, val, doorman, valet, whatever. But you were you, making at least minimum wage in those well, roles. No, tipping was but not was very much. Kind of but, but as when I when I delivered pizzas, I was making two fifty an hour. Okay. So, um, so but when you're in a tip position, back when there was cash, you could see cash from a mile away if somebody held it a, a mile away. And, you would make a little beeline over well, there. Well, yeah, you'd see a mile away. And it didn't matter if the person tipping me was uh, Charles Manson or um, or um, Idi Amin or um, Joseph Mengele. <clears throat> you don't see the person when you're getting when you're in the hunt for the American greenback. You are just looking to get tipped. That that's it. There's no judgment. To, like it's it's. And, and, and I worked with black guys and white guys and Spanish guys and, and Asian guys. I worked with everybody. All of us. All that goes melts away when you're getting when you're in a tipping p- position right. where you rely on tips. 
There's no nothing. There's no there's no nothing. It is mm-hmm. simply the hunt. A craven hunt for money. We're all dogs looking for a bone. Well, right. And the the disclaimer at the end, I tip. And if I don't, I leave a note. I don't leave a note if I don't tip because I tip. I don't right. need the if I don't disclaimer because like t- I, if you're somebody who I don't leaves know. a and, note ever in any situation, then she and this is true has an amount of what I've coined term I coined privilege that is through the ionosphere. Right. And you should also make it clear to this. If you have a problem, you need to make it clear during the meal. Right. Like if or you're how about super- just shut up and tip the person? How about you shut up and tip the person? As Louis C.K. says, uh, how about you don't hold the uh, the tribunal? I have declared that I'm not going to. All right. One last item. Right. But. Oh, God. Wait. This wasn't over because she's been going on fighting with people okay. about this on Twitter now for three days, including um, she pointed out in this saying that black people shouldn't have to tip when they detect that the reason their service is bad is because racism. Mm -hmm. So somebody eventually, this was today, said, yes, if you detect racist treatment, that's understandable. I just think nebulous notions of bad service in the absence of being able to reasonably attribute it to racism is a bad reason not to tip. So she went off even more and said, tell me how exactly you think racism in service manifests. You think the servers tell you I don't like serving black people? So here we go. Her soup arrives cold, and she knows what caused it. Mm-hmm. What caused it, honey? What made her soup arrive cold? Well, with somebody like Nicole Hannah-Jones, I can't imagine. Inflation, Putin? I can't imagine what she would say. What caused everything in the world, including her to get rich? Mm-hmm. Um, she goes, fascinating to me how we know for a fact, based on reams of studies, that black people face discrimination in every aspect of American life and somehow wait staff would be immune to this. And she goes, uh, they don't want a professor, New York Times journalist, Pulitzer Prize winner who tips well and is a great customer because some people who share my racial category may or may not have tipped well and I'm supposed to reward this. Perhaps the tips reflect the treatment. Wow, she's not elitist at all. Doesn't sound like a total, complete a-hole. She's just a spoiled American asshole. I know. She's, yeah, she's just, just a, a wealthy, coastal, elite liberal yeah, who it's, it's, doesn't it's, it's, always like tipping because and she looks she at feels... color, but she does, she's not she's something that doesn't have color, which is an a-hole. That's what she is. That's all right. I'm... If she feels that her service wasn't good, it's right. because she's black and she deserves yes. to get Maybe one back realize over. Pulitzer Prize winning. It's like, yeah, kind of, except most Pulitzer Prizes don't have the body of work having to be redrawn largely. Okay, uh, Alice made a star turn the other day on a program called At a Theater Near Me. So as I mentioned, Alice will be joining me to talk about the movie Man of God. Uh, This was a movie that was shot in Greece, uh, but this is an English language film. And they did that to obviously widen out to that American audience. Uh, This also has, they heavily promoted Mickey Rourke being in the movie. He was in the movie for maybe all of 45 seconds at the very end. This was a movie that was heavily marketed to the religious audience, especially the Orthodox one. Alice and I talk about that and kind of how movies market to religious audiences and how successful or unsuccessful they are doing that. I think it's a pretty interesting conversation. I I hope you enjoy it. Here you go. Okay, I am here with Alice Shattuck. Hello, Alice. Hi, Chris. We are going to be talking about Man of God. Uh, I saw this movie at the Regal Fox Run. Um, It had one showing uh, nationwide uh, on at 7 p.m. on Monday, uh, what is it, March 21st, whatever day Monday was, and yeah. uh, at least in my theater, they have, 
They have added a second showing, though, next Monday also. Right. And my theater was so full that they ended up adding a second screen. So I went into the second screen, which was pretty empty. But the first screen was full, which on a Monday night in the movie theaters is incredibly rare. Like even, you know, Batman, yes, probably would have sold out if I had one showing a night. But outside of major blockbusters, Man of God, this random Greek movie about this, uh, this saint who lived in the 1890s uh, is selling out movie theaters. What was your theater like, Alice? Um, it was also Should pretty I, full. Yeah, it was not fine. quite You're sold out. What do you I was are, at the. I mean, cinematic. like, what do you want to hear? The show's forty minutes park. long. Blew them out again, but it was be more peaceful version of spirit. You know. Wow. Or, you, I was looking at this. Are you monologuing this whole time in Hollywood? And now he's gone. He's become very focused, very much on making on making religious movies, and, and that, that's kind of become a. a well, we'll listen to it. Yeah, we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about Kirk Cameron movies and nice. all sorts of things. So, yeah, check it out. That's at a theater near me. Uh, you can go here. How that. was Clemmer? Did he apologize for standing you up? No, I didn't give him a hard time about that. I uh, don't care. Did his wife rap, rap him? <laughs> no. Hmm. I don't think anything of anything. Thank you, everybody. Great week. Thank you so much. You can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod at burnbarrelpodcast.com, facebook.com slash burnbarrelpodcast, uh, burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. All those places, if you like to watch the podcast as a video, those are on YouTube, uh, also on Rumble, because sometimes we get kicked off YouTube. But if you're an audio only person, we should be on all the normal platforms where you like to listen to podcasts. Say la vie. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.